Good morning. Good morning. I bring you greetings from University United Methodist. We look a lot like you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was, um, when Pastor sent the text today, and I read through it, I was going to send him an email and say, never mind. <laughs> um, I, and I said, I, I want to thank Pastor for stressing me out over the text this week. Um, because it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day in the sewer. Amen. <laughs> but so I was drawn to um, something as I was wrestling through this. I was drawn to a specific section of the scripture, and I, I will tell you that in a moment. And so when I speak, I often say that I, I give these um, for 200 of my closest friends and myself. I write these for me, and then you're captive for an hour. And you have to listen to <laughs> So buckle up, friends. There is um, this idea as I studied, and I kept coming back to it over and over again, and I thought, first of all, why does this section of scripture remind me of Orbit's gum commercials? Um, that was the first thing that I came to. But I, was, I came back to um, a section that starts in verse 14. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing outside of a person, nothing outside of a person, can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, that things that come out of the person contaminate the person. After leaving the crowd, he entered a house, and his disciples asked him about that riddle. And he said, don't you understand either? Don't you know that nothing from the outside that enters the person has the power to contaminate? Now, my husband eats some really weird things. Chitlins, chicken feet, pig's feet. I mean, there are some really ugly things that come into my home that my husband will actually partake of. And yet, as I looked into the scripture, there is nothing that he would eat that would contaminate him from the outside in. My mama, as I was telling her about how I was wrestling with this scripture this week, this gospel section that we read today, what I was struggling and she said, seeks its own level. And I got to thinking about what that meant. Water seeks its own level. When I was in middle school, I wanted nothing in life more than to be like every single other person that was at school. Well, at least the cool and popular ones. <coughs> And I wanted to be like those things that I saw in the world. I, I wanted to be Cindy Lauper so badly. <laughs> I wanted to shave my head with the lines in it and the crazy colors. I wanted to be just like her. I was influenced by the things outside of the world. And I, I wanted to have the coolest clothes and the makeup and the really cool hairstyle and the really great shoes. And fitting in while not standing out became part of my existence. And, and what I realized was that being the same made anything that I did differently made me stand out. And it wasn't always in a good way. I became a target on Friday afternoon 
And because we didn't have social media and the internet and cell phones, that bubbled and bubbled and bubbled all weekend and spread its way through the telephone lines. And Monday morning, you had no idea what was coming for you. I was worried. I was so worried about what others thought of me that I became obsessed with it. And of course, if most of you remember, middle school was not always the most comfortable place to be. Nowadays, we call it bullying. But in my day, we called it Tuesday morning. Those experiences didn't lead me to Christ. And neither did becoming a grown-up, not at first anyway. Before I became the pastor, I became part of the world of why me. I would often take the train to Sad Town, and then I would get off, and I would become the mayor. <laughs> it was a ton of little things, little molehills that became a mountain of woe for me. My ex-husband had a wonderful new life with a huge home and a brand new car, and the girl that he left me for was wearing a huge diamond ring. I ended up getting cancer. He kept threatening to take my children, and I was tired of fighting him and his girlfriend, so I did the most logical thing, and I found the first fella that was hanging around, which at 350 pounds means that I would have had to accept anyone that paid me any attention. At least that's what the world told me. I added two more kids, a set of twins, that joined the older three. So if you're counting, then that was five children, and they were the under the age of seven. <clears throat> I married the second guy who abused me the entire time that we were together. Yet the world said I had to stay with him. My children needed a mother and a father in their home. That was what created stability. So one day I got tired. My soul was weary. And I packed up all five of those littles in a minivan that somebody gave me, and I hooked a U-Haul on the back, and I rode out from Arizona to Ohio. I was overweight, and I was divorced with five littles, again, on welfare and food stamps. And because of all of those things, the world said I had no worth, that I wasn't enough and that I didn't deserve any better. I asked for what I got. My choices led me to the way that my life had turned out, and after a while, I believed them, and then I began to accept that and eat it, and then I began to believe it, and then I began to say those same things of myself. I started to believe what the world was telling me, And the media was showing me what women were supposed to look like. They were beautiful in underwear with angel wings. <laughs> Betty Crocker had a cookbook to mock me. My exes were together now, and they were hounding me day and night about the children in Ohio, from Arizona. I was utterly and totally defeated. There was nobody on my side. Murphy's Law was happening over and over 
and over again, and the other shoe kept dropping because obviously Murphy was an octopus. <laughs> Life was giving me lemons, and I did not want any lemonade. Oh, saints, where was Jesus in the 30 years of torture that I was dealing with? Why had God forsaken me? Why was it necessary for me to climb up on the cross and take Jesus' place? Listen to this again. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand nothing outside of a person can enter in and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of the person contaminate the person. Nothing outside of who you are or who you were can enter in and make you something that you are not in who and what God created you to be. However, if we look further into the things that Jesus said, it's the things that come from you that pollute your inner self. Jesus said, be salt and light, not pepper and darkness. He wanted us to be built up and to be constantly reminded of whose we are. And if you were to believe the words of anything, wouldn't it be Jesus that you actually listened to and heard? As I gave the demonstration to the children this morning, as all of that noise that comes, that banging gong and clanging cymbals of the world that you're supposed to hear and then intake and then believe and then create yourself to be what the world's vision of you actually is. And then you begin to adopt that and tell other people the same thing. I can tell you all of the things that I think that are wrong with you. But it doesn't make it your truth. <clears throat> Jesus had a ton of things on his plate. And yet he preached and taught love and reconciliation and renewal and peace and beauty. And this idea of what we're talking about today isn't exclusive to followers of Jesus. Joaquin Phoenix says, I think that's when we're at our best, when we support each other. Not when we cancel each other out for past mistakes, but when we help each other grow. When we educate each other, when we guide each other toward redemption, that is the best of community. Putting unity in the community. We have to remember that like begets like. And the power of positivity means that what you put out is what you will receive in. For example, during my time of self-doubt and sadness and regret, I watched and listened to things that were commiserate with where I was feeling. There is a song for every purpose. And I could find them and listen to them. And whether I was angry that day and I was raging or whether I was sad and I was crying and I was feeling melancholy, I could find a way to continue on in that feeling. And then I looked for people to affirm me in who I was. People that were willing to also complain and commiserate because misery 
company. I was able to find people who could affirm that my life totally vacuumed. I was deep, deep in the muck and the mire. And you know what's really crazy about that? I didn't want out of it. Feeling bad felt really good. And I could find a whole ton more people that would feed me what I was believing. And because I was the mayor and the queen and the princess and the supreme leader, even though it was familiar and comfortable and toxic, and I was able then to carry those same bricks and attempt to build new houses with other people. What I have learned is that you have to actively and intentionally work at keeping that poison out of your life. Jesus spoke about the power that the outside can have over us internally. We know that beautiful people say really ugly things. I can't tell you the number of times that I have heard, God put this on my heart for you. And then, hit me with both barrels about what they saw from the outside looking in as to what was wrong with my life. And if I would just do this, or if I would just go here, or I would just say this, or I would just have this thing, if I would just go to church. I grew up Mormon. <coughs> of all things. At 13 years old, I was entering the Mormon temple in Mesa, Arizona, doing baptisms for the dead. I was being baptized in the name of people over and over and over again. And yet I was not worthy as a woman in the church to preside over worship. Then I went to the Baptist church. My first time back in church in years, they used to come on a bus and pick up my kids to give me a break for two hours. And then one day I decided that I better get on this bus and see where my kids are going. And I went to church because that's what you're supposed to do because that's what Christian people say. Followers of Jesus understand that church happens where you are because you are the church. Amen? Amen. All right. So I was supposed to go to this building and then I was supposed to listen to this person tell me for an hour about what the matter was with me that I was divorced and that I had interracial children and that I had all of these other things that I was doing wrong and that I was not going to be worthy of any space in heaven. And I sat there and I listened and nobody talked to me and my children disappeared and I didn't know what that was supposed to be and I didn't know what I was supposed to do with the message that I was receiving. All that it was was hellfire and damnation and that I should, you know, prepare myself with my gasoline underpants because that's where I was headed. <laughs> And I soaked it all in, and I accepted it, that that's what Christian people looked like. The world said that everything that was wrong with me could be handled in a specific way. Jesus means a shift in the power that the world has. The world will say that you 
are worthless, but Jesus died because you are worth it. The world will tell you that you are unlovable, but Jesus stretched out his arms this wide to show you how much you are loved. It is really, really easy to buy what the world is selling to join the chorus of the negative. But when I finally saw the light and I understood that if water seeks its own level, then Jesus, as the living water, really does change our lives. In this life, there will be trouble. Why are we surprised when it gets here. We look for things here to make us happy, to define us, and we forget that it's not about this life at all. We are living this life to pass the word on to others so that when we get there, Jesus can say, well done, good and faithful servant, and then look over in the corner and say, oh, who did you bring with you? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that means that Jesus has created in you the power to become an overcomer. Friends, you can change your name. The labels that the world has given you don't have to be what you call yourself. It doesn't have to be what defines you as a person, because who you are is beloved of Christ. You can change your name, and yet God will still know who you are. The negative circumstances of your life do not define you at your core. They have enhanced who you are. You are beautiful, and you are messy. And you are strong. And you are enough. Jesus reminded us here that there is nothing, nothing that you could take in and believe that would change the way that God feels about you. Nothing that anyone says or thinks will change the fact that Jesus died for our forever. So live into what you have been offered in grace and in peace. And remember, though, remember, friends, remember, if you don't hear anything else I've said today, remember that you can't find peace until you have all the pieces. Live into who you are called to be in Christ. But really, saints, just live. Putting one foot in front of the other is sometimes all we can do. Breathing in and out may be the only accomplishment that we have made that day. And that's okay. Because you woke up this morning, amen? Amen. And if you put your hand over your heart, you realize that you still have purpose. Breathe in Christ. And exhale.
exhale the weight of the world on your shoulders. So come and gather and uplift and encourage and cry and laugh and seek and be and find the living water because water seeks its own level. Amen. Let's stand as we're able to sing to be your presence in 546.